0: The story of Chicago's two mayoral candidates, Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson, can't be told without their powerful connections to Chicago public schools. One led the school district, the other organized against its policies. They have vastly different takes on how to make the schools better. WBEZ's Sarah Karp has more. Supporters of the two mayoral candidates clashed recently at a press conference at Operation Push on the South Side. Depending on one's perspective, either Paul Valls or Brandon Johnson can save the public schools or is a danger to them. At the heart of the argument is whether teachers and schools are primarily to blame for low performance, which is what Vallis believes, or whether a lack of investment in schools and communities is the main driver. That's what Johnson believes. Johnson's view was cemented during his first foray into the city school system. He was a teacher at Jenner, an elementary school serving mostly Black students in the shadow of the soon-to-be-demolished Cabrini Green public housing development. Tower stamps helped mentor Johnson at Jenner. The school is in a wealthy area, and all around were signs that the city was catering to those residents, including the conversion of a local school into one that drew more affluent kids citywide. It felt like a complete de you know devalue of our children, erasure of our children and their feelings. It caused so much pain and hostility and it took the teachers to sort that out. Johnson says seeing this is what motivated him to become an organizer for the Chicago Teachers Union. You know, Cabrini Green USA, uh, the epicenter of the city of Chicago, right? Where stratification is out loud, right? The wealthiest neighborhood can be seen from back windows by students woke up to bulldozers. What a mean system. And that's actually what provoked me to become an organizing. When Johnson went to work for the union, it had been taken over by a group that believed the way to fix schools was to pour resources, not only into them, but also into communities. The following years were intense. The union fought against the historic closing of 50 schools. It waged two strikes as it tried to stop the privatization of schools and demanded more nurses and social workers for students. Johnson organized behind all of this. Valerie Leonard remembers him as she fought to keep schools open in her West Side community. I saw him in all of the school closing actions. I saw him working with parents, and he seems to have been you know, authentic. Johnson's record is basically the record of the CTU, which can be a lightning rod. Some charge it has put political fights above the interests of students, creating chaos. And the union continues to take heat for insisting on prolonged remote learning during the pandemic, which left students far behind academically. Even Leonard says she's not sure that was the right thing. Unlike Johnson, Vallis has a long track record of running school systems and putting policies into practice. Johnson has little paper trail. Vallis has reams. Vallis ran the school systems in Chicago, Philadelphia, and New Orleans. Remember that Southside press conference where the two sides clashed? One was bashing Valles's record, and the other was lauding it. Longtime Chicago activist G2 Brown called the press conference. And we have sisters and brothers here from New Orleans, America's most African city, where right after Hurricane Katrina, Paul Vallis closed, privatized over 75% of the schools in New Orleans. To Brown, Vallis' record is clear and cruel. Blame schools and students for not performing? Put them on probation? Eventually close some? Then open publicly funded, privately run charter schools or other options, leaving neighborhood schools with fewer students and resources. But the the group that interrupted Brown's press conference paints a different picture. Craig Williams followed Vallis from Chicago to Philadelphia and then to New Orleans. He says Vallis went into school districts that were in really bad shape and made them them better. So every two students who graduated from the Philadelphia Public School District, there was one who dropped out. That's what Mr. Paul Vallis inherited when he came into Philadelphia, and he transitioned that around. And Williams recounts being in New Orleans, driving through communities with Vallis, literally looking for children to enroll them in school. New Orleans, Paul did not devastate the community. The community was devastated when we arrived, and these are the facts. It's important to note that much of what Vallis did was part of national trends, directed by state law, or at the behest of city leaders. And test scores and sometimes graduation rates increase with these approaches. Valla says he mostly considered charters as a means to an end. In some cases, he says, poor communities wanted more control over their schools. And in others, he was trying to find a way to solve overcrowding problems. Rather than wait two years to get a school open, sometimes I could get a school open quicker by basically opening a charter school. So I, I like to think that I use charters strategically. Vallis still emphatically defends the idea that schools and students must perform or face consequences. When he made schools more accountable in Chicago, he says, families started to have more faith in the system and started re enrolling. Whether probation was a cruder term 25, 30 years ago, uh, maybe there's a gentler term, but should those schools not be identified and flagged for special intervention? I mean, should it not be? I think parents want standard, high standards. I think parents want accountability. The question is whether accountability and competition makes a good school system or whether investment can accomplish that goal. On April 4th, voters will choose between two candidates who represent these radically different approaches. Sarah Karp, WBZ News. And this story was reported with The Sun-Times' Nader Issa and Lauren Fitzpatrick. This is WBEZ.